let me share with you a visual of what we are about as a church. Our mission for our church comes from God, and it is to make disciples. Uh, that mission overarches and controls everything that we do as a church. Uh, so how is it that we make disciples? Uh, well, first, we believe that disciples are made within a community. Uh, we choose to think of uh, that church community as being a family. And so uh, there are certain things that define us as a family, certain values. Uh, we believe that we are to be multi-generational, so there's a value of all ages in our church. Uh, but we also believe there needs to be a strategic focus on children and youth because they are the church of tomorrow. Uh, we also are a Baptist church, and so there are certain things that we believe from God's Word. Uh, we also believe, secondly, that making disciples is a process. And so what we've done at our church is we have streamlined uh, what we do as a church into three steps that help us focus on that one purpose. Uh, the initial step we call the friend level. Uh, it, it is at this step that we gather together. Uh, the front door of our church is our worship service on Sunday mornings at 1050. It is the time that the church family gathers together to encounter God. We also have a time for children and youth on Wednesday nights. Uh, but this first step of gathering is only a starting point. The second step we call the follower level. It is at this level that we grow. And we gather together and, uh, and grow together in a small group, Bible studies that we call life groups. It is here that we are fed God's word that we develop relationships uh, with each other. But even from beyond that, there's a third step. And it is the family level. It is the level in which we go. Uh, it is at this level that we become the hands and the feet of Jesus, that we exercise our faith. And so uh, we go out and we, uh, we serve, we minister to others, we do evangelism, and we do missions. It is also at this level that we believe the church gets down to deeper, more intimate, one-on-one -on -one relationships to spur us on to become more like Christ. So how is it that we know that people are developing as disciples of Jesus? We have identified 12 marks of a disciple that come from the life and the ministry of Jesus. It starts with a genuine salvation experience baptism, goes on to being a student of the word, devoted to prayer, committed to community, uh, disciples one who has, has died to self and demonstrates love, has a servant's heart, a giver, a witness, resilient, and then finally a reproducer, one who is investing in others who will then invest in others so that kingdom of God is expanded. Our goal is to develop these 12 marks so that we come, as Paul said in Ephesians 4.13, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I hope this visual helps you understand what we are about as a church. And we want to invite you to gather together with us, to grow together with us, go together with us 
as we seek uh, to make disciples of all nations to the glory of God. We can then summarize the flow of church life by the three words, gather, grow, go. Um, We've put it up on a poster. If you forget those, they're right up there in front of you. Our challenge in 2017 is that we would be together, that we would be unified in purpose and in life. And so uh, we would say, particularly this year, one of the things that we want to just ingrain in our DNA as a church is that we gather together, we grow together, we go together. Last Sunday, I talked about gathering together, that first step. This Sunday, I want to talk about the second step, which is grow together. Um, Our family is in a season of babies. Yes, that is an amen. Yes. Was that you, Byron? That was you. Okay. Um, One of the things that I've realized is um, there's a lot of numbers associated with babies. You keep track of numbers. There's some original, Coach Maury, there's some original stats, a starting point. And so you got to, you know, people ask, you know, about your kids and you've got to have this little thing. So Lindley Brooke Keith uh, was born on November 11th, 2016. At 8.14 p.m., she was nine pounds even, nine pounds, zero ounces, not a rounding. No, we got to know the ounces. And she was 20 and a half inches long. Now, these are the initial stats, the numbers. Uh, Hudson Andrew Smith was born on January 11, 2017. He weighed 7 pounds, I'm sorry, at 2 o'clock p.m. on the dot. 2 o'clock, not 201, not 159, 2 o'clock p.m. He weighed in at 7 pounds, 4 ounces. He was 20 inches long. And so that's his initial, original stats. That's the starting point. That's where we are. And what I've been reminded of in these weeks is then you track these things. And you track the weight, you know, how much does the baby weigh. In fact, even this week we've bought a little baby scale that you, you put a baby on so you can see. Diego, are you with me, brother? Yes. Mm. And so... Weighed, we got the scale in, so we immediately went to Byron and Madison's house and weighed the little man. I want you to know, I think that was about Wednesday. He weighed in Wednesday at one week old at 7 pounds, 13 ounces. And so he's put on 9 ounces, okay? Um, I don't know, there's just a lot of these numbers, and it it kind of quantifies their development or their growth um now hudson's he's just a chill baby right now he's just chilling not a lot going on now lindley brooke she's a little more she's two months ahead of course and so there's other things that are 
maybe can't be quantified by numbers, but we're tracking. And so Lindley's starting to, you know, follow things with her eyes, you know. You know, you can put a toy in front of her. And uh, she recognizes her mama's face. That's a good thing. Uh, a couple weeks ago, she discovered that those objects that have been flying by her face are connected to her body by arms. So those hands are hers. She discovered her hands. And of course, you know, they go straight to the mouth. And about a week ago, she discovered she had feet that are attached to these legs that are a part of her body. And so she was trying to get to her feet, you know. And so these are all a part of the developmental stages. I'll be sharing. I'll give monthly reports from here on out of the development of my children. I say all that to say this. We are tracking the growth of children. There are certain indicators weight, and they they tested their hearing in the hospital. I don't even know how they do that, but anyhow. Their eyesight, their motor skills, their development. Uh, Because we are tracking whether a child is doing what a child ought to do in growing and developing. Right? That's what we do. We want to know. I want you to know this morning the same is true in our spiritual lives. There are certain things that are indicators that we are growing, that we are developing. And those are things that we ought to track. In our church, we have identified from the life and teaching of Jesus what we call the 12 marks. We've put them on posters. And I know if you've been here for several weeks, you go, okay, we know this. But we want it to become ingrained in you. I want you to understand those marks of the disciples are the indicators that we are growing, we are developing as a follower of Jesus. That we've had a genuine salvation experience. That we've been baptized. That we are a student of the word. That we are devoted to prayer. We are committed to community. And then there's some inward things. We talk about death to self. That a disciple demonstrates love, has a servant's heart, is a giver, is a witness, is resilient, and is finally a reproducer. Uh, Those are the indicators, the, the growth indicators that a person is developing as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Those 12 marks somewhat also communicate the growth process of a disciple. And so if you think about it, and it's kind of hard, we we talk about this as a staff, and it's kind of hard when you get on down the list. But think about this with me. A disciple first, the first step has to be a genuine salvation experience. And so there's a reason that's number one, because you really can't go to the others. Well, what do you do? The first step of obedience is baptism. And so that's the second one. But I want you to understand that just like you feed a little baby, God's Word is nourishment in our spiritual lives that helps us to grow. And so what? It, so it's not by chance that after salvation experience, 
in baptism that you go, a student of the Word. I need to be taking in God's Word. But I don't just take in God's Word uh, in uh, some kind of like just a knowledge, like let me learn this. But it's, it's a relational book. And so the, the fourth thing is devoted to prayer because in a relationship with God, then He speaks to my heart from the truth of His Word. And so I'm a student of the Word, but that is bathed in prayer. And so I'm devoted to prayer. And all of that then is to be a part, as we talked about last week, of a, being a, growing in the midst of a community. A child is raised ideally in a family. Now, there are third world countries, and I know this is true in China and in Russia, that you can raise children in an institution and you can feed them and you can change their diapers and they will physically grow, but they will not develop in the other areas of life as they ought to. As children are raised in homes, so we are to to grow up, as we say in the fifth mark of the disciple, committed to community. And then the inward attributes become a part of us as we are a student of the Word and as we are devoted to prayer and we're committed to community. And then we, we come to that death to self and that we demonstrate love that we develop a servant's heart. We're a giver. We're a witness. We're resilient. And then finally, we're a reproducer. So those are the indicators. And there is a process generally in the order of those 12 marks of a disciple. Last Sunday, I read from Hebrews 10.25 and really focused on the first half of that verse in which it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. So I used that as my text last Sunday to talk about we are to gather together, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. There's a second part of that verse that I want us to think about today in which the writer goes on and says, but exhorting one another and so much more I'm sorry and so much the more as you see the day approaching I believe the writer of Hebrews is saying we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together but we are to exhort one another beyond that to the life that God would call us to. There is something more in the Christian life than those just those first two marks of the disciple of being saved and being baptized. There has to be more. And I believe when he says exhort one another, he's saying there is more. Before Jesus takes you home or he comes back, there is something more. There is something that God wants to do in your life in developing you, growing you. And I think he expresses that. And so if the first half of the verse is about gathering, then we understand the second part of the verse would tell us that gathering is just a starting point. 
He says, but exhorting, but exhorting. Uh, I understand implied in that word exhorting that it is not automatic in the spiritual realm that we will grow but that we must be exhorted to grow and to live the life that God has called us to it is not automatic I would contend this morning that we have to be intentional in our growth when I talk to my kids they are intentional about when they feed the kids and how much they feed the kids and when those kids sleep and when they change diapers and you've got to burp like halfway through the feeding and you know it's I know I've lived that life but I've just kind of forgotten it but let me tell you there's some intentionality when we raise children there is a plan And I would contend this morning in the same way in the spiritual life, it is to be the same. The word exhort is the word that could also be translated encourage. Uh, It's actually the word when Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as being the comforter and he called him the paraclete, the one who comes along or is called alongside. It is that same word, exhort, to encourage The writer of Hebrews uses this verse in chapter 3, verse 13, when he says, But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So he includes the thought in 3.13 that it is to be daily, that the time is short, as he also expresses in 10.25, but also lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Do you understand what the writer of Hebrews is teaching us from the Scripture is that if we are not intentional, if we don't have a plan, if we're not exhorted, we're not encouraged to to continue on and to grow and to develop as a disciple, we will be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You cannot stay where you are in life. You will either be moving forward or you will be falling back. Isn't it true? You know, I don't, sometimes we get, well, I've just, I've reached this place. Now, you're not going to be able to reach a place. Because if your heart is not pursuing God to know Him in a greater way, you're going to fall off. You're going to regress. That's just the way life is. You don't birth a baby and get the baby to a healthy state and go, okay, boop. We're just going to stay right here. No. Either that baby is going to be nourished and continue to grow, or the, 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 that baby's health is going to decline if you don't take care of it. There's no staying where we are. We will either be moving forward, or we will be moving backward. I would contend this morning, the reason the writer of Hebrews says that we are to exhort one another is because we have to be intentional in our pursuit of developing and growing as a disciple of Christ. I want you to know this morning the reason he uses the word exhort is because what he's talking about, it takes energy, effort, and commitment. 
I want you to know in your spiritual life you need to have a plan. You need to have a thought. This is what I'm doing to develop and grow. It's not just going to happen. I'll be honest with you. I mean, this, this hit me maybe 10 years ago as a pastor of a church. There has to be an intentional plan. If we think we're just going to have church, we're going to have some stuff, and people are going to naturally grow, I don't know, some might. But you can't leave it to that. There has to be intentionality to say we've got to have a plan that says, no, this is what we're going to do. You cannot leave it to chance because invariably when we leave it to chance in our life or in any area of our life, and we just want to coast and get along, we're going to fall back. And so when I hear the word exhorting, I think it reminds us that we have to be encouraged to be intentional in our growth. The word one another. Actually, uh, I don't know what translation you're looking at. The, the phrase one another is implied. In Hebrews 10.25, it is explicit in 3.13. But exhorting one another daily. It's implied here. In fact, there's kind, of a, there's, kind of a, there's kind of a contrast there when he says not forsaking, but exhorting. It's kind of an, an either-or thing. When, when I hear the phrase one another, I'm reminded that the growth that we are talking about happens within relationships. We've talked about this last week, that we gather together. We are a family. Uh, so our growth has to be intentional. But that growth is also within relationships that is one another in fact the word one another is one of the together words of the New Testament that we are to be in relationship with each other I've already alluded to this but a baby is raised best within the context of a family structure I understand that's not always what happens, but I'm saying it is the best. And so it is true also in our spiritual being that our growth is to be within relationships of the family of God. And so the contrast is not forsaking, but exhorting one another. So the word but is a, is a contrast that whatever he meant by the first phrase is contrasted by the second phrase. And so our option is either we can forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You can get off by yourself and you can do your own thing. And some people do that and that is their approach to the Christian life. It is not biblical. Jesus designed us not only to have a relationship with him. Yes, and there's, there's a reality that it's, it's, it, the Christian life gets down to me and him. Yes, I understand that. But Jesus designed us to grow within relationships of the family of God with one another. And so we can either be forsaking the assembling of ourselves together or we can be exhorting one another to grow and mature and develop as a follower of Jesus Christ. For us as a church, our vehicle for growth is our life groups. 9.30 on Sunday mornings. 
So what do we do in life groups? Well, we study God's Word. Oh, well, that falls in line. If we're growing, we have to be nourished on God's Word. Yes, we pray together as a life group. And so the truth that we experience in God's Word is related to a relationship, personal relationship in which we talk and we hear from God. But a life group is also that fifth mark of the disciple committed to community. Uh, Our life group is the church broken down into a smaller circle. If you are here this morning and you you sit in a life group every Sunday with the preacher, just raise your hand. There's a little sprinkling of them. Yes, yes. Well, bless your hearts. Bless your hearts. Yes, yes. Bless your heart. Sorry about that, that you have to... Spend time with me at 9.30 and then you come to the big room and he's still talking. Amen. amen. We, we talked about amen and thinking we kind of weak in our church on the amens. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, some of y'all are afraid it's just going to incite me to go longer. And so you go, oh no, oh no, don't do it. Don't go there. I made a commitment years ago as a pastor. I'm going to be a part of a life group. One thing, my wife likes me to go with her to our life group. She likes that. I like her to like me. (laughs) I'm not saying that's the only reason I go to life group, but it is one of the reasons I go to life group. That's the circle I'm a part of. You realize the church, if we talked about, last Sunday we talked about having a room that's large enough for the whole family to gather in. That's important. And we only meet in this room for about an hour and a half once a week, but we have a room large enough for all the family to get here. But the interaction needs to be at a deeper level than this. This is good. But we've got to break down the church into some smaller units, and we call those life groups. We study God's Word together. We pray together. We share our lives together. We are a community. We have relationships there and so what I'm saying is that growth happens within relationships and for us as a church the vehicle for that growth is our life groups there's another phrase at the end so exhorting reminds us that our growth needs to be intentional the one another reminds us that growth occurs within relationships. That's just the way God designed it. But the last phrase he says, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. There's going to come a day. Well, let's just, say, let's just put it this way. I was saved in 1972. And I was, I was baptized six months later and then I've been on this in this process of developing as a disciple I I don't know I don't know when that that's going to be over but someday the day will come and either he will come again or he will call me home and my life on this earth is going to be over and it could be today Someday it's going to be over. And really, 
if you think of it from an eternal perspective, the next thing that will be significant in my life after that is that I will stand before Him to give an account of my life. Now listen to me, Christians. Yes, Jesus came and He, he died for my sins. And when I was saved in 1972 in Vacation Bible School, First Baptist Church of Wichita Falls, my, this may, my, my ticket was punched. My destiny was sealed. I'm going to make it to heaven. Brother Fred, I think you talked about this. Now, that's just from Mitchell Walker. Tell me what you talked about last Sunday. The book and the books last Wednesday morning. And so the book's going to tell us who's, who's a citizen of heaven. But the books are going to be the deeds and the life that we have lived. I want you to know as a Christian, yes, your name can be written in the book. But there's also going to be a judgment of what did you do from the time that you were saved until the time that he took you home. And there'll be a reward based upon that. Now I say all that to say, someday I will stand before God and I will give an account of what I did from my salvation to the day in which he he took me home. What my growth, what my development was. I want you to know on that day what the criteria will be as it relates to my works. Scripture is very clear on this. The goal, what he's looking for, what he wants to see in me, do you want to know what it is? Is for me to be like Jesus. Guess who I'm going to be standing in front of? (laughs) Whom God has appointed the judge on that day? Jesus. And I understand the 12 marks are a simplified version of who Jesus was and what he taught and the life that he lived. But that is a snapshot, at least a summary, of what he's looking for in my life. Was I a student of the word, devoted to prayer, committed to community? Did I die to myself? Did I demonstrate love? Did I have a servant's heart? Was I a giver, a witness, resilient, and a reproducer? I'm not saying he's going to use that checklist because that's kind of my checklist. But that's what we saw in Jesus. And the goal from the time that I'm saved until the time he takes me home is in all those days to be, be becoming like him. That's why I said in the video... That the goal, Ephesians 4.13, is that we would grow until we come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now the reality is none of us are ever going to get there, right? So if you have a day left, you have another day to work on it. (laughs) There's still more work to be done. But that's the goal. The goal is to be like Him. And the day is approaching. Every day there's another day behind me. There's one less day for me to become like Jesus. And that's, I think that's why even he says, the writer of Hebrews says in 3.13, but exhorting one another daily while it is called today. Today's all you've got. We have to be intentional 
about our growth. We have to do it within relationship. And we need to understand that the goal is to be like Jesus. And if you just take the 12 marks, it's at least a summary of what he will be looking for on that day. And I would say it ought to be a part of our checklist today to say, how am I developing? Uh, the spiritual realm is a little different from the, spir- the physical realm. Uh, oh, let me just put it this way. We do not need to stay as babies in the Christian life. It is not becoming of Him to be saved and to be born again into His family and stay at that level or stage until He takes us home. It's it's not becoming of Him. He's invested His life in us. And so there ought to be this sense that someday I will stand before Him and I want to stand before Him and say, I pursued you to know you and to live like you. To become like you. And so I challenge you this morning with that verse of Scripture it's not enough to gather together. The second step is to grow together intentionally, within relationships, understanding the goal is to be like Jesus. My prayer is that our church would be a place that is conducive for growth. Secondly, my prayer is that we would encourage one another, we would exhort one another to grow. That There would be... a team morale. There would be a family spirit that would say, no, we want to push each other to grow and to be our very best and to become like Jesus. So that the third part of my prayer is that we would always be striving to be more like Jesus. We would never come to a place in life where we said, this is enough. It's not enough. There's always more. And may God push us to always be striving to be more like Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray. And then this morning the altar is open. Byron and I will be at the front. If you need to visit or pray with us, you're welcome to come to the altar to pray. Maybe God today is calling you into a relationship with Him. Maybe that first step. A genuine salvation experience. Maybe there's another step. Maybe it relates to baptism. Maybe there's some other step or stage. You can come to the altar. You can visit with Byron and I. Maybe it's to commit to be a part of this community. To say, no, this is going to be my family.
you've been saved and baptized, but you say, no, I need to be committed to this community. So let me pray. Father, today I pray that you would, particularly this year, you would create at Huntington First Baptist Church a place that would be conducive for spiritual growth, that the environment would be here, Father, that we would thrive in our relationship with you. Father, I pray also very specifically that you would encourage us to exhort one another and there would be a uh, positive environment that pushes each of us upward and onward. And then, Father, more than anything, I pray that you would always have a striving to be more like Jesus. That someday when we stand before Him, we would not be ashamed. So, Father, we thank You for Jesus. We thank You for not only His saving power, but His power that changes us. And so I pray in these days that we would know all of that. And I pray it in Jesus' name.